0: Larry Crudder here with the Larry Crater Leadership Podcast. Today with my long-term friend, Pastor Sam Smucker, Lancaster County. God bless you, man. It's so good to have you here. Yeah,
1: good to, good to be with you, Larry. We've been, we, we go way back. We go way
0: back. 1977. I remember you were just this young pastor I heard of starting <laughs> this church called the Worship Center way back in the day. Maybe we met at, You met, I think, in Lidditz Recreation Center. Or well, something. first There's we
1: a... first we met at a place called Sheridan Conestoga. That's right. For a year, and then we went to Littles Rec I Center remember. for three years. Uh huh. But in in right there at the beginning is when I met you. Uh, you were in that youth movement. I was called Rama.
0: You remember that? Oh yeah, <laughs> Rama Youth. Movement, Oh yeah, right? it sure was.
1: And of course, we went to Rama Bible Training Center. That's right. So I'm thinking, is he a is he a rhema guy <laughs> and so we we met and uh, i think soon after that is when we started having uh, prayer times together yeah and then invited other
0: leaders and things like i remember that. while we went to a restaurant one day and we were both young pastors and it was Leola family restaurant yep. remember that? and we said do you think it's possible pastors could pray together yeah and we just said well it hasn't worked much in the past but maybe we can try it
1: liola family restaurant we used to call that Worship Center East. Is
0: that right? Because
1: <laughs> all the people from Worship Center were right. there. Well, not only that, we had lots of our meetings there and stuff like that. Yeah. So, but then we started our prayer meeting right there in downstairs, we did. right? We did. Yeah.
0: And that was, was amazing how God used it for years and years and years. Yeah. And remember, we said we're going to keep it really pure. No one comes with their agenda. Remember yeah. that <laughs> we're coming to pray, yeah, right. and fellowship, and believe in God for revival. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sam, I, I, I'm so glad you're with us. Uh, you know, you, you, and I, and two of our friends wrote this book together called Straight Talk to Leaders. Yeah. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Uh, it been really fun. I mean, in fact, I remember when we, we were having a, a prayer meeting at, at uh, the worship center, and I remember I said, Can I talk to you guys for a few minutes, the four of us, and went over to your office, and we talked about writing this book about things that we learned over the years about leadership. I remember you said, well, I'd even read a book like that. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll talk more about that later. And, and years ago, you and I wrote a, a book on Fruit of the Spirit. It yeah. was really fun giving yeah. some of our stories on that. But yeah. let's just talk about things you've learned about leadership over the years. Let's talk well, way back. You grew up Amish. You've told me some of the stories. Talk about that. Yeah, I did. Uh, grew up in an Amish family in Lancaster County.
1: And um, yeah, we, we had, uh, I'm the oldest of 12. Yeah. And um, yeah, I grew up on a farm and uh, learned to work hard
0: and yeah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. so how, Amish Amish background to and you said Rhema Bible College. How did that all happen? Did had you come to Christ in that? In, in how did that happen in the Amish tradition? Yeah,
1: you know, when it, when Amish young people turn sixteen, right, they kind of kind of get this badge of freedom or feel like they have this badge of freedom, mm-hmm. and that was me. And uh, so I went. I went the wild way yes. for uh, quite a few years. Okay, actually eight years. Wow. And um, so, um, but then in right in the middle of that, I got married to Sherlyn Souter, yeah. uh, and, and she was Mennonite, right? Yeah. Went to Stumptown Mennonite Church yeah. because my parents pleaded with me to go to church when I left the Amish, and. Because church attendance to the Amish people was really important. Sure. But I wasn't committed to Christ or anything. Right. I just went. And then I saw the girls there. And then I, I liked the place because I saw the girls there. And that's, where I, <laughs> that's where I met Sherlin. And uh, we got married in uh, 1968 and then moved to Phoenix, Arizona, for our 1W service. Okay. And, uh, um, but my life was a mess out there. Really a mess, and uh so the, i I worked at a hospital and sure. got and got involved in <laughs> in their parties and right. all that kind of stuff, right. but Sherla never went with me, okay, so the first four years of our marriage were were not good okay and uh but then but all this time I went to church really I went to a Mennonite church, I was the head usher. Imagine oh that. my goodness. Imagine that they didn't have any discernment whatsoever. I had a head usher. <laughs> so on Saturday night I was out partying and Sunday morning I was the head usher.
0: That is amazing. Yeah.
1: And then um, but then one Sunday there was this group of young people that came called the Agape players. And I was like, these guys are different because that church was kind of dead, you know. Right, right. And I hope they're not hearing me say that. But um uh so <laughs> <laughs> but but there was something different and I said to Sheryl and I said, I think uh, I like I like that. And so we followed them around Phoenix for a couple nights because okay. they were ministering other places, sure. and they had altar calls which we weren't used to. Right, and in the altar call, man, I'd start to sweat, oh. and I'd start to shake, <laughs> and and then one night Sherilyn said, uh, "I'm going to go up and rededicate my life." So that's so I followed her up there, and that's when I gave that my life cool. to Christ. That was in February of 1972.
0: Wow. Yeah. You and I have that in common, you know, it because of my wife, I really gave my life totally to Christ, and mm. she only kind of lived the way for you in a lot yeah. of ways. That, that, yeah. that is amazing. So, I mean, you it's interesting. You have this leadership call in your life. You were an usher even before you I were a right. I head usher. Soundly saved. That's yeah, it, yeah. That is crazy. And,
1: and then after, but, you know, as a little kid, I always felt like called to, to preach. As really? A Talk kid. to me about that. Yeah, at age 11. Really? Yeah. We used to, uh, ch- Amish people have church every other week, as you know. yes. And so the week in between, my dad would always have to always make us have uh, have Sunday school. Yeah. Which I don't know if everybody did that, probably not. But my dad was always a little more spiritual minded. Sure. And um, I felt than other other people, other Amish people. And then uh, we would play church, and I'd always be the preacher, you know. <laughs> so uh, one day, uh, my grandfather came over. He lived in the other end of the house, in my grandmother. Sure. He sat in what I was preaching, <laughs> and afterward, he said, "Fly some dog wash uh, doin' bready ha." What does that mean? That's um, that's uh, Pennsylvania Dutch. He said, "Maybe someday you'll be a preacher." Oh. So when I when I started running around in roomspringer, yeah, uh, and I started going the wild way, I'd always hear those words. Interesting. You know, yeah, fly some dog wash and bready. Uh-huh. Maybe someday you'll be a preacher. Uh-huh. So no matter how drunk I was, I'd hear really? those words.
0: <laughs> Amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah. So. So then, after I got saved in in uh, Phoenix, I thought, man, what am I going to do with that? You know, because Amish people are not allowed to go to high school, not allowed to go to college. So I didn't have I, I had eighth grade education. That's it. And so then we found this school, Bible school, that where you didn't need a, a high school diploma. Okay. And um, so I said to Charlene, "That's where we're going." And so we packed up our two little girls. And that was Reema. That was Reema.
0: And you knew almost nothing about it?
1: I didn't. Really? I didn't. No, but seven of us had, had gotten baptized in the Holy Spirit, yeah, and we had started a Bible study in southern Lancaster County Sure, that grew to about 100 people. And so that's where somebody uh, handed me a Word of Faith magazine. And in there was a little article about Rhema Bible Training Center starting up. And it had, in fine print, no high school diploma needed. And I said to Cheryl, and I said, that's... That's it. That's where that's we're going. That's amazing. <laughs> so we went. It was only 9 months school. And uh, so about the eighth month, I said to Sherilyn, what are we going to do? Just go back and hang drywall? Is that what I'm going to do? Because yeah. that's what I did. And But Sherilyn would always say, she'd always say this, we will have a place to minister. So when I said that that day, in April of 1977, I said that to her. She says, we will have a place to minister. Wow. And I said, Okay, so a couple of days later, when we were contacted by somebody from back here, really? and said, uh, "There's a small group of people back here that would like to start a church. Do you want to be the pastor? Come back and be the pastor." I said, "No, I don't think so," because I didn't. I thought I'd be an evangelist, like uh-huh. I don't know who, but <laughs> and uh, but then you know, we just it's just restless, and I said, "Okay, let's go." So, June of uh, beginning of June, 1977, came back. And started worship center. And the rest is history.
0: The rest is history. <laughs> the rest is history. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, what are some leadership stuff you learned early on? You know, you started the worship center and, uh, you know, obviously became a mega church, one of the, one of the most well known churches in our whole region. Now you've reached over 100 nations of the world. I mean, it's amazing what God's done. Mm-hmm. But back in those days, those early days, you know, talk to us about your leadership journey there. What was that like? I don't know.
1: Because uh, when when I saw that question, yeah. I, I'm thinking, you know, back then we didn't have John Maxwell, right? Twenty one laws of leadership. Yeah, we, right. I didn't have any of that. You know, You're we right. just we just started. Yeah, you know, we and did. I just started preaching the word. You know that That's I do. How you Did, we did it. the same thing. We just started and I I what leadership lessons? I don't know. They just kind of just kind of kind of had to carve them out yourself.
0: Yeah, you yeah. know, and learn with hard knocks, I guess, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well. Are the things you look back now? You say I would have done that differently. Did you look back mm-hmm. in those early days, you know or I maybe would not. I would never.
1: Uh, I, I enjoyed the learning lessons. Yeah. You know, I do remember. I remember one thing. Cliff Martin who's now with the Lord. Sure, was the first associate pastor of worship center, and um, you know I'm I'm a go getter, and Cliff is laid <laughs> laid back. Right. So I always expected people to know what they're supposed to do. You know, I didn't know I was supposed to lay out expectations. That's a
0: great leadership lesson. Yeah.
1: And so Cliff came up to me one day after he was there for probably six months. Yeah. And he said, uh, Pastor Sam, can I talk to you? And I said, sure. And he came into my office and he said, um, I'll never forget this. He said, uh, what am I really supposed to do? <laughs> and, and I was surprised because I carved out what I did. You carved out what yeah, you did, you're right. and I thought he would too. Right, but he didn't. Right, you know, and so different leadership styles, and and um, so I had to, I learned that you have to put out expectations. Right, what you expect of people that are working with
0: you. You know, I think also, Pastor Sam, we both learned this whole thing at the same time. You know, I thought everyone thought like me. Yeah, I'm sure you did too. Right, exactly. You just assume that, that everyone thinks yeah. like we think, and it's just not the case. And we need to lay out this. If we're the primary leader, then we need to lay out a lot of the structures that are needed, a lot of the path that's needed yeah. for other people, so they can find the role in this plan. Yeah, I didn't know anything about that. You know, we, when we
1: went to Raymond, we we learned doctrinal stuff, and, right. and you know, charismatic stuff, and but we never learned much practical stuff. Yeah, you know, really. Yeah, and so we were we were pretty green when we came back. Yeah, and just started preaching uh, our notes. That's what I did. Started preaching my notes that I took in the classroom, and to our surprise, I mean, Sherlin and I were the most surprised. People started to come. Yeah, I mean, week after week, people were coming <laughs> by the dozens. Right, I remember the days, and I'm like, what is going on here? But you know, back then, Larry, there was it was like a revival going. It on was
0: in this area, even. It, it was. Well, I talked to someone recently, just a couple of days ago, who experienced that with all of us, and uh, they look back. They said, "We didn't even know it. God was moving sovereignly. There's a know revival. It. We didn't even know it was happening. We saw this is just normal stuff. Yeah. And but it was just God moving. There was a and, a and in a revival, as
1: you know, a lot of people are hungry. Yes. And they don't always know what they're hungry for. What they're hungry for God. And yeah. and when that started to happen. People yeah. like your ministry and our ministry. Oh, yeah. People were just hungry yeah. for the things of the spirit, yeah. and that's that's just
0: that was amazing how yeah. that happened back then. Yeah, I remember when you had the building. You're in the building in uh, Leola, and somebody in our church gave us. Uh, free these big billboards free billboards come worship Jesus with us mm-hmm. yeah, for Deaf Christian Fellowship in those days and they put one right out, right next to the <laughs> worship center I remember and you saw me the next time he you said I'm going to put a big sign on there that says come worship with us and put a pointer right into the worship center we had no idea where they are going to be you know
1: <laughs> Right. we've had a lot, of, a lot of fun over the years you know you talk about leadership lessons another thing I learned is as I look back I was I was task oriented. Yeah. And I could walk by you <laughs> yeah. and, and and not even acknowledge you. It's the way you're wired. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and looking back I thought, man, I should have been much more appreciative yeah. of people working with me. Me too. You know. I just expected them to do what they're told to do or whatever. Right, right. And you know, somebody came to me one time, Mel Hurst actually He's yeah. now with the Lord. And he said he said, Pastor Sam, do you <laughs> Do you ever say thank you? I, I said uh, probably not enough, Mel.
0: Uh-huh, you know. Uh-huh. So
1: looking back, just task-oriented yeah. and not recognizing and appreciating yeah. people that are yeah. working with
0: you, right? Or people in general, yeah. just not being. Appreciative enough. Yeah. Well, I want to talk to you about some of these leadership lessons that you've even written in your in the book that we did together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just for everyone listening, for five days on Amazon, here's what we're going to do. We're going to offer this. It's called it's Straight Talk to Leaders eBook. We're going to offer it free on Amazon for five days. And we'll talk more about this. It'll all be in the show notes. You can check that out later. But I've heard you speak on leadership various times, and I'm every time, so blessed. You know, you teach in our school. Remember, it's just been a joy to work together over these years. Remember, you had a leadership school, and I teach in your school, and we just, you know, kind of help each other with, you know, other leaders in the area. But I want to just ask you uh, just to expound on some things that you've learned. And one of the lessons, my favorite, you know, you you taught this to our leaders. I've heard you share it various times. Is keeping your eyes on the fence Mm posts. Talk to me about that. Explain that story Mm -hmm. and how that applies to leadership. And again. Younger leaders listening, you know, you say, well, I have no experience in leadership. We've all carved things out as the Holy Spirit led us, and God has been faithful. But we don't, we made some mistakes, but we prefer the next generation can learn from our mistakes. Mm-hmm. And that's why we wrote the book, and it's now been translated in various languages. It's been really fun watching God use this. But uh, talk to me about that. Talk to me about that one story and that one truth that really helped you in leadership. Mm. Working uh, working on a farm, Yeah, uh, the most important part
1: in working in the fields was plowing yeah. so my one day I was probably about 13 12 13 my dad said I want to teach you how to plow today I'm thinking whoa that's the big deal yeah and so he said all right let's hook up uh, Dick and Pete and Jack and jewel that was the name of the mules we didn't have <laughs> we didn't have a tractor you know and sometimes I'd be out in the field Larry and I'd be it'd be a hot summer day yeah and and I'd be out there daydreaming and thinking what is wrong with a tractor I would say that to myself, you know. But anyway, we had these four mules. And so he said, let's get them out. So we went out in the field. And then he said, if we're going to do this right, this is a 20-acre field, and we have a one bottom plow. Right. You know, one furrow at a time. Right. One furrow at a time.
0: One big field that takes a long time. <laughs> and I looked at this 20-acre field. And I'm like,
1: this is a... So my dad said, if to do this right, the first furrow has to be straight. I said, okay. And then he said, see that post at the end of the field? That means see that post yeah. at the end of the field? I said, uh, yep. He said, now you keep your eye on that post. And don't look right, don't look left, don't look back, don't look down, don't even look at the mules, just, just at the post. Yeah. I said, okay. And so uh, I stood up. We had a little platform on the plow. And I stood up. I was like 12 years old. And those reins were heavy and those four mules. I said, All right, Dick compete, let's go. And so I kept my <laughs> eye on the fence post all the way out to the end. And I looked back and man that thing was straight. I mean, my dad was proud. Yeah. I was proud. I think even the mules were proud. <laughs> you know, but what it now I didn't realize that was a lesson sure. at the time. But looking back, I thought, wow, that's he he, he had some visionary things about him too. Yeah that. Yeah, so I get emotional. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's awesome. So, I th- I <laughs> I think through the years um, that has helped me, you know, just stay focused. And and if you look back the last couple of years, yeah, you know, distractions. I mean, we're living in we in in uh, twenty two two thousand twenty two two thousand twenty one two thousand twenty. I mean, all the distractions, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many times I've taught that lesson, you know, even during this time, yeah. uh, stay focused, you know, as a pastor, stay focused, you're going to get, you're going to, uh, people are going to try to distract you to this side and that side. And there's a lot of distractions in, in the ministry, you yeah. know, especially yeah. in, well, in any, any area of the ministry. Um, so that was a lesson that has stuck with me for many, many years. And I went. I remember when we went through the transition that Glenn Eshelman, our friend Glenn Eshelman yep. from Sight and Sound, yep. drew me a picture of that uh, keep your eye on the fence post. Oh, that's cool. And it's an incredible picture.
0: So, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, so that's that story.
0: So as a leader then, if a younger leader is asking you, how does this help me in leadership? Mm-hmm. You're simply saying, you know what God's called you to do and keep your eye on that and don't get distracted. Is that yeah. right?
1: yeah. Yeah, it, you know, I remember uh, our very first missions trip, we took 40 people when the church is about 200. And uh, we went to Jamaica, we were introduced to a man there, and I've worked with him. He's now 90 years old and still uh, ministering. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, so we, we did a crusade, and he said, uh, I want you to preach in a crusade. And then I said, uh, okay, so that night, and I was just young, you know, and that night I, I preached on the woman with the issue of blood for 20 minutes and I ran out of stuff to say. <laughs> and then he said, um, the next morning, he said, Pastor Sam, he said, uh, uh, swim in your own lane. And I said, what? He said, swim in your own lane. He said, last night you were trying to be like me because after I preached, I had an altar call when I ran out of stuff to say and about 20 people came. And then he preached for 10 minutes and hundreds of people came. Yeah, I was totally dejected. And so he said, swim in your own lane. And so that's a lesson for young leaders today. you gotta, good. you got to swim in your own. you got to do what you're called to do and stay focused on that. Good. You know, so good. And, and don't try to be strong in every area. I used to think I had to be strong in every area. You can't be strong in every area. That's right. If you if you try to be strong in every area, you're not going to be strong in any area. True. And so, um, you know, stay focused on the fence post. Stay in your own lane. Mm. Uh, you know, spend, like John Maxwell says, spend 80% of your time on your strengths. Right. And 20% of your time on so your good. weaknesses. Um, so those are two very... Things that have just
0: guided me. Yeah. So you look back in your in your life and you realize, had you done more of that early on, it would have helped you earlier. Oh yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: You know, as years go by, Larry, you mellow. You do. <laughs> you know, you just start to be more compassionate. Yeah. I wasn't very compassionate at the beginning. You're you know, always nice to me, Sam. <laughs> well, I know, but I but I'd walk right by somebody on a Sunday morning, yeah. and they'd like think I was mad at them because I didn't say hi. Yeah. You know, so looking back, I was thinking, man, we were arrogant yeah. is what you were. yeah. And uh, so, yeah,
0: you look back at those kind of things. You do. And it's important, I think, for we have, you know, people here. are connecting with us here from many, many nations of the world, many continents. Yeah. And just so people don't know who you are, you've pastored for many years the worship center. Talk about that, that what 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 happened there. Mm-hmm. And then what you're doing now because you went through a succession. We can talk more about that at a later time. But just give a little feel of the things that God's used you to do. Just so people know, and if mm-hmm. we want to put all this on our show notes and stuff. So if people wanna get a hold of you, they can get a hold of you, Worship Center Ministries and whatever other realm you have. Mm-hmm. Talk about that a little bit, will you? Well, um, from the get-go at Worship Center, we had we
1: wanted to do three things. Uh, number one was uh, the word. You yeah. know, when when we went to Rhema Bible College, there was such a huge emphasis on the word. Yeah. Preach the word. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that, I came back with that. Sure. You know, and even though it was only nine months, that was drilled into us by our instructors out there, drilled into us. And so we, I wanted, I wanted uh, to help people build, uh, how should I say, build their lives on the Word. That's what I yeah. wanted to do. That was number one.
0: Worship Center has been known for that for years. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's number one. Mm-hmm. Second, I wanted community. Mm-hmm. I wanted uh, small groups, mm-hmm. and you helped me with that, mm-hmm. too, because at the beginning, I didn't really believe that much in it, but I wanted community, though. I right. wanted a family feel in the mm-hmm. church. And um, <laughs> I gotta tell a story about you. I remember one time we went to lunch, and Don Neff, and you, and me, and I think some one other person, maybe somebody that you brought along, and we were talking about small groups, and you looked at me, and you said, Pastor Sam, I don't think you really believe in doing that, do you? Is
0: that what I said? Yeah. I don't
1: remember that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it made me mad at the time. I thought, <laughs> what right does he have to say that to me? <laughs> but it was true. It was true. I wanted small groups, but I didn't even like them. Yeah. You know, so as a leader, you can't you can't really build something in your church unless you believe in it. Exactly. And, and, and so, now that's a good leadership lesson. Yeah. Yeah, so true. So you and some of us went to Dr. Cho's yeah. church growth conference. You opened the door for us to go with you. I remember that. And, it, and, that, and that was all about cell groups. It was. Back then they called them cell and groups. They did. And a lot of different names through right. the years. But uh, that's how it, it really, and I saw the evangelistic component, right. evangelism component to small groups that really changed my view of them. Got it. I said, it's not just the... 12 people having a little party every week right this is this is we're going to reach out into our community and so that changed it for me. And then the third component was so it was the word and community mm-hmm. and missions. I wanted us to have a missions minded church from the beginning and you sure have yeah so so that's what we called our three-legged stool and that's what we're still even
0: today, even after transition, it's still strong those three areas now you mentioned missions just give us a little example of that you've been all over the world you have friends all over the world mm-hmm. worship center is connected with like more than 100 countries is that right yeah about 120. that's amazing amazing and mm-hmm. so you, and you've been you've ministered in like india and so many different nations yeah are there, are there any key nations as you look back you really connected with india is my favorite nation to go is to. It? yeah i love all the chaos <laughs> 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 I, I love i love
1: going there but i haven't been there now for a couple of years right. but i love going there and um yeah, I mean, I don't really know how that started, except one day at a chapel in Bible school we had um we had T. L. Osborne. Do you, you know that name? Oh, sure, I heard yeah. him speak already. Yeah. And when simple spoke, evangelistic message. So powerful. powerful so what, powerful. Yeah. And when he spoke that day, it was like it was like his words were tangible and the whole student body started to weep. You know, I, I started to weep and I looked around and I'm thinking and people were weeping. Wow. You know. So on the way home I was still weeping from for that mm-hmm. morning after class and and I said to Sherlock, what are we, what are we weeping? She said, I don't know what we're weeping about. But there was an impartation yes. probably the strongest one I ever felt. I mean there's you know, when people pray for youth you have impartations, right. but that day it was like powerful. Right. Really powerful. And I think it that impartation caused us to have um a heart for the world or the heart for lost or whatever you want to call it. Mm. But I didn't know where it would take us. I had no idea, you know, but I knew from that time on that if we're going to pastor a church, it's going to be a missions minded church, Mm. whatever that means. Right. And so when we started the church, we got introduced to various people around the world and just supernaturally things started to happen. And then I thought if we're going to have a missions minded church, I have to go, to. Yeah. Not just send people. I got to go and see the mm-hmm. world, mm-hmm. and uh, so we did. You know, and I've traveled. Uh, you've probably traveled to more nations than I have. I've traveled to like fifty-four, I think.
0: Yeah. Nations. I lost count. I'm not sure how many it's yeah. been.
1: And uh, so it just started to happen, and so now we don't have we don't have a missionary living in those hundred twenty nations. But we might have a missionary, like for example, we have a guy living in Kenya that reaches out to nine other nations. Right, right. So when you take all that, right, that's where the 120 nations come in. Beautiful. We have a we have a tentacle of ministry yes. through our missionaries.
0: Yeah,
1: and. Um, so, yeah, that's how that's built through the years.
0: And There's so much more I want to ask you, and I'm going to have you back for, for another podcast. Um, but uh, years back, I remember you had t- done some teaching on the fruit of the Spirit, and I had done some teaching on the fruit of the Spirit. We got together one day and said, let's just combine what we learned. There's so little written about that. We wrote this book, Growing the Fruit of the Spirit. And anybody who wants that, you can uh, get that on Amazon. You can get that. Check out the show notes, or you can get that through uh, our, our bookstore. Uh, either way, but I really want to focus here on straight talk to leaders. Now I want to talk to you a lot more about. It. There's so much energy that you've written, and impartation you have. I want you to share with younger leaders. Uh, but four of us: Barry Whistler, Lester Zimmerman, Sam Smucker, Larry Kreider. But friends for years is interesting, right here in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and been friends for years. We've prayed for each other, stood together. You know, after all these years, today all of us lead global networks of churches yeah all of us in fact all of us have gone through you know succession from being senior pastors of churches uh, to leading networks of church, the Hope All Network, obviously the Worship Center Ministries, and all that you do with Rema and uh, HarvestNet with with Barry and Devon International with myself, mm-hmm. and so we're going to talk more about that when we, uh, we come back together. Now, let me be, before we sign off today. And again, check out the show notes. All this information on the show notes. You get all Pastor Sam, his ministries. Uh, talk to us a little bit about Worship Center Ministries and talk to us a little bit about your involvement with, with, with Rena today, because you, I mean, you're constantly ministering to leaders, preaching, mentoring, and that's what you do today. Talk about that. Yeah, we,
1: we have. Worship Center has grown into a network of churches and ministries. Not a real big one. Uh, so Sherilyn and I oversee that after we transition out of the lead pastor role uh, four and a half years ago.
0: Yeah, and I'm going to ta- ask you questions about that on our next
1: podcast, okay. uh, about how we how that happened. Okay. And then uh, we also serve as a regional director for Rama Ministerial Association International in the Northeast. Okay. And that has about 100 churches in, in the Northeast. Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, that's what we're doing now, yes. Okay. So... Straight Talk to Leaders, this book has been translated into various languages, is available on Amazon, it's available on the Dev International Bookstore. Uh, and But we have this deal for you for five days on Amazon. You, we're offering Straight Talk to Leaders by Sam Smucker, Barry Whistler, Lester Zerman, Larry Kreider. And on the ebook is gonna be free on Amazon for five days. Again, check out the show notes, it'll all be there, and you'll, you can receive your free copy. One more question for you and before we sign off today, Pastor Sam, if someone, a younger leader comes to you and says, you know, I'm a young leader, and uh, man, I, loved, I just love your story, I love what God's done with you, and you were to give him just one piece of advice, and say, just tell me, what's one thing that would really help me just fulfill the call of God that's on my life, what would it be? Uh I think you have to you have to know what you're called
1: to and then you have to have a relationship with Jesus to that's let it. that call come. True. You know, you good. can't just go on the call. Right. The call is the call is fueled by your relationship with Jesus. Correct. You know, and the You've call is an overall thing. Within the call, then you have steps of vision. Yes.
0: Yeah, that's so good. So good. It's back to, all back to Jesus. All back to our relationship yeah. with the Lord mm-hmm. and then being clear about the call and having steps to fulfill the call. Wonderful. Awesome. We're going to have you back. Thank you Pastor Sam Smucker for joining me today. Again, check out the show notes and check out the you know, get your free ebook for 5 days and the show notes will tell you how to do that straight off to leaders. And Pastor Sam, thank you again for being on the podcast, Leadership Podcast with me today. Thank you. My privilege. And we'll have you back. God bless you all, and here on the Larry Crider Leadership Podcast, we find those small things we can change in our lives that cause a huge difference in leadership to help many, many people for the glory of God. We want to see the kingdom of God continue to grow. So God bless you, and look forward to connecting with you again real soon. Thank you for listening to Larry Crider's Leadership Podcast. If you want more information about any of Larry's books, daily devotionals, small group resources, or any other teachings, go to LarryCrider.com.